The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier, and this is episode number 75. Can you believe it? 75 episodes. We have met a lot of incredibly cool people uh, over the last year and a half or so, and this week is no exception. I am so excited for you to get to know this week's guest. But before we jump into this week's interview, uh, I want to talk a little bit about our format and the slight change that we have going on. A few months back, we started doing video. We added video to Facebook and to YouTube, and it was really fun to get video because I felt like people could get to know our guests a little bit more. Well, a couple things have happened since then. First of all, the video has never really taken off. You know, it's been fine, but the podcast is what's really growing the fastest. And we have grown so much uh, in the number of listeners that we've had compared to the video. And also the video is a lot of work. And unfortunately, I think that some of I'm so focused on the video. I think some of our audio quality has suffered, as well as it's a little bit distracting trying to make sure everything's going smoothly. So we've made the decision to pull back on video, we're not going to be releasing video anymore just uh, just audio, the way that we were for more than a year. And uh, hopefully, sorry if you like the videos, but we will be continuing to post on YouTube, but it, it'll just be a static uh, shot of our logo or maybe of the guest photo, something. We'll work it out. And that way, if that's how you like to listen, you can still listen to the show that way. But there will be no video. Okay, uh, moving on to this week's guest, Travis Hansen is one of the most talented people you will ever hear. You will hear his creativity, his passion. He is an incredible artist, super popular in the con world. And that's not cons like convicts. That's like uh, conventions like Comic-Con. He goes to all of these events and shows off his incredible art. He's just such an amazing guy. He's going to tell you all about it. And this week in my Latter-day Life, uh, I'll tell you about a great invitation I got a little bit earlier this week. It's all coming up, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And this week, we are not in the Latter-day Live studio. We are actually in Moreno Valley, California, where I'm here in the home of my guest, who is a remarkably talented artist, Travis Hansen. Welcome to the show. I was hoping you would say long-term friend, too. Long, long time friend. Oh, we will get into that for sure, 100%. Travis and I have been friends now for more than 25 years, as a matter of fact. We met more than more than 25 years ago. I remember the first time I saw you was you were standing up at the pulpit, in fact, welcoming uh, all new members. So I went to the new member meeting. <laughs> you were on the activities committee, in fact. We were in the same young single adult ward. Yep. Yes, we were. <laughs> and now Travis is a world-famous artist, as I have... Uh, as I've gone on to incredible mediocrity, Travis has become a star. So, Travis, I'm so glad that you're on and we get a chance to talk to you. Before we get into the amazing art and the world of Travis, why don't you give us a little bit of background on your life, where you're from, and kind of your story. Well, um, 
my story and art's kind of intermingled, so to talk about, you can't talk about one without the other. Let's do it. Let's hear it. But uh, I born in, I was born in L.A. Uh, my folks moved to Riverside when I was a teen and kind of never left. I, I served a, a mission in Bahia Blanca down in Argentina, and uh, I came home, and uh, I didn't really know where I was going to go or what I wanted to do. I've always loved art, but I never thought of it as a career. In fact, I actually thought I wanted to be a dancer, yeah. and uh, there's no money in dance. <laughs> yeah. Not unless you're really good, then there's a whole lot of money. It's a uh, it's feast or famine, that's for sure. Uh, it's amazing how much feast or famine floats throughout uh, many careers. <laughs> and then uh, I I remember we got married, my wife and I, and we had our first. And then about 19 months or so after that, we had our second. And right about six months before we had uh, Ian, uh. My brother uh, ended up going out, and uh, he came He came into L.A., and he was looking for a job, and he found me a job as a cartoonist. He he just kind of gave up on himself and went and found something for me, which was, was pretty amazing. And so I worked for him, and then I... Uh, what type I, of cartooning were you doing? I was working for a, a print shop in, uh, in uh, Yorba Linda, and uh, we did a lot of... Uh, we were doing about 70 to 100 different cartoons a week. Wow, no kidding. And uh, just small little spot art. It's, yeah. So it's a little piece here and there. And that's where I learned to be quick. In fact, I had most of my training at that print shop for three years. I learned everything on how the presses work to how to prep, you know, prep your files and, and make your... Um, make your work presentable. In fact, one of the greatest, I think, gifts that was given to me through this company was it gave me a knowledge of how not to just create uh, artistically, but how to see it all the way through to the end. Mm. So I could end up producing my own books. Wow. So there was a book that I got to be a little bit of a part of. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you're actually bringing that up. <laughs> yes, I, you know, I still have copies of it. <laughs> Keep them. <laughs> yeah, so tell us, tell us the name of this incredible high-class book. Oh my on. goodness. So everybody sometimes takes jobs that they kind of have to roll their eyes at. And uh, this one was about, it was a, a young man that uh, asked if I would, you know, I, it's, it was my first gig, and, and he said, uh, I'm drawing a book about picking your nose. And I did. I drew the book. Yes. And uh, it was a learning experience. I I learned, uh, I mean, it it fits my sense of humor, but at the same time, I learned some stark lessons about contracts and um, connections and and also um, even some warning signs that came came from this. And, you know, through that job, I, I... we a friend of mine we pitched another book to somebody else and you know uh there, there's a point where you really should listen to the spirit and uh this was one of those those jobs that it was lots of promises and then at the very end he took off with all the art and everything else just totally disappeared and years later, I was doing research, and it turns out that he was a porn director. And, oh, my gosh. And the book has never been published. Uh, the contract has now run its course, so if the book is published, then I can go after him. 
which I yeah. would do. But I don't even know if he's still alive. Mm. But it was one of those situations where I think Heavenly Father was watching us to say, this just didn't get done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one day I'll go back and redo this book, because I really like the story. I thought it was yeah. a, lot of, a lot of fun. But it was some harsh realities. And, you know, being young, you're, not all, you're looking not at um, the long-term effects of what a contract is. You're looking at that instant gratification yeah, of, this is my now? first job. Yeah. You're thinking, what can I get now out of it today? Exactly. Plus, you're desperate for work. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I was working 17 hours at, at a time, at, you know, at this print shop. And, and then I was focusing on my art at home. And there's a strain there. I, I'll be honest that there was there was a strain there of not being around, and then uh, and then something happened. Uh, the year my son was born, in fact, the we we got there. It was he was my Ian, my second oldest. Is uh, he was born the day that Comic Con started that oh, year? No kidding. <laughs> and uh, I was supposed to go down, yep. so but I made it to the birth, and then Friday I drove down to Comic Con. No so he was born on Thursday, and I made it to Comic-Con <laughs> on Friday. Um, and when I was down there, I actually, I think this is where my career as an independent artist came into play. Because I was already working in the field, and by the time this had happened, I was now their art director. But um, I was walking around, I had my portfolio, and I met an artist who happened to be LDS. And he... Uh, he said, why aren't you published? Mm. And I didn't have an answer. And then he said, how bad do you really want this? And just before I could answer him, he said, well, I want you to shut up for a second. And, and he goes, no matter what you tell me, it doesn't mean a thing. Wow. He goes, if you want this bad enough, you will show me that you want this bad enough. Huh. And I took that to heart. And the following year... I came back with a published piece. No kidding. What was your first published piece? Um, my first published piece was actually, uh, I did a couple of short stories in an anthology, and then I did a, um, I started a, a, a webcomic at the very beginning of the webcomic craze called The Bean. Yeah. And I, I published it uh, as a, a, a regular comic issue, because that was like the big thing back then. And I wish I had not listened to everybody telling me what to do. I wish I had gone with my original gut feeling because we'll get to that later on. Um, well, tell us, let's take a break and tell us a little bit about the bean because the bean becomes very important in your life. Well, it, it does to a point. Bean was um, my first story. Yeah. And it failed three times, what most people don't realize. It actually put me into debt. Without, no kidding. Without even realizing. Well, I, I knew exactly what was going on. So, yes, I did realize that. But it... Hurt me pretty bad. Uh, the the last time it failed, we I was trying to get it done in uh, written book form, and it failed in between books two and three, and that's mm. where it cost me a lot of money. And I decided I took a year off, and then I came back and I said, you know, I'm going to do it the way I originally envisioned it. And I went back and I redrew it, reset it up, and as it was going. Um, the following year, I got nominated in 2011 for an Eisner, which is like the um, Oscars in comics. No way. Wow. Now, I didn't win. Uh, the guy that won totally deserved it. 
But the fact that I got nominated yeah. gave me... The, Eisner nominated is awesome. That gave me... Um, it, it was one of those little life goals. Yeah. But at, it was also one of those moments where I was like, I can do this. Hmm. And I had must have been, let's see, in 2011... I was in my 30s. So yeah, I was in I was in my 30s then. And I was finally starting to like my art. Really? Yeah. Um that's you just struggled with Well, you spend your whole life if everyone tells you that you're really good at something, you get to the point that you no longer are listening. Right. And everyone would say, "Oh, you're just such a good artist. You're so good at this. You're 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 good at this." And and when I, in my mid 20s, I was living that lie, and mm. all of a sudden, I was starting to get critiques. I'd post my art on this really old, old site that I don't even think is around anymore, and I started getting critiques by the most famous critiquer of all, Anonymous. Yeah. And Anonymous, <laughs> Anonymous has a lot of opinions, by He the does. Way. He has a whole bunch, and Anonymous was writing paragraph after paragraph about each piece I would post up. And I was getting angry and frustrated, and so I would write my responses, and, and I then went to my mom, who's an artist, and I said, I need you to read this because I am frustrated. This guy's just tearing me apart. And she went through and read everything, and then she looks at me, and you hope that your mother's going to back you up, and she goes, <laughs> he's right. Oh, no way. <laughs> and she made a couple of comments after that that were more of a, First of all, she said, the comments that he's giving you, not a regular person would give you. So this guy obviously works in the industry. She goes, second, what's more important to you? Having everybody tell you you're great (laughs) or having to prove yourself that you can listen and learn? Wow. And I sat back and I, I went through and I started to read what he was saying. And then I would start to make changes to my art. Mm. And you don't have to change everything. Yeah. And she also pointed out, she goes, you have to learn to separate yourself from the art and the piece. Right. Because he's not critiquing you. He doesn't know you. No, he's just critiquing your art. Exactly. Yeah. And I started to listen and I started to make changes. And about eight months later, I get this note from Anonymous I, who I still do not know who it is. He says, you're on the right track. Keep it up. Wow. So how much validation was that? That was incredible. Because you know he's not just no. feeding you that. No. You know you're really getting it. I'm earning point. it. I've, You've earned it. Yeah. But I still wasn't happy until, like I said, until I got into my 30s. And that's when I started to realize that 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 10,000 hours, it's only, you know, they talk about, to be a master at something, it's 10,000 hours. sure. And I believe that. But I also believe that when someone comes up to you and they go, oh, you're so talented, that I don't believe. Mm. I believe that Heavenly Father has given all of us 5% talent in something. 5%, okay. The other 95% is all the sweat, the (laughs) tears, the frustration, the anger. You... You only get to see the finished product of what someone's success is. You never see them how it took yeah, the struggle to get there. Yeah. And that's why you say it's only 5%. And 
And when we were all in third grade, every one of us drew the same. Our trees looked the same. They were little squiggly circles, two lines straight down. People are circles and sticks. Um, <laughs> You're right. But then all of a sudden, I went one direction. And then another kid said, well, I would rather play the piano. And they start playing the yeah. piano. And then another kid says, well, I like to play sports. And then they start moving on into different directions. Right. And then they hit their – then they become – successful in what they do. So you're, you're now at this point where you're starting to see, you're starting to see some things come together and you were working a regular, you were working a corporate job. You were an art director for a company. For How a great that? company. I, I I liked working for, I worked for a mountain bike firm. I'll even say the name. I yep. worked for Jensen USA. It yeah, was a wow. great company. Awesome. Um, we started off very small. Um, you know, uh, what what most people didn't realize that when I went to Jensen, um, I was. It's amazing how we do a lot of life changes when events happen to our life. My wife's father had passed away suddenly. Oh my! And I had made the decision that I was working way too much and I needed to spend a little bit more time with my kids. Right. And so I started working for Jensen, and I worked for them for many many years. And they were Mike, who was an entrepreneur. Um, allowed me to follow my own dream at the same time I was working for his company. So here I'm doing double duty. I'm working two different jobs. Yeah. And then after a certain point, I can remember um, I had published several books and I had run several successful Kickstarters and I was starting to make a really, I was making uh, inroads into the direction that I wanted to go. And, uh, on uh, the day after Father's Day, uh, about five years ago, uh, they came in and, and uh, he knew I was going through some struggles. Yeah. And he said, I, I hate to do this, but he goes, I need to let you go. He goes, you need to grow. This is not where you need to be. And he sort of, um, he made sure that I wasn't destitute. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, a position that really just, I was not, I was, I knew it was coming, but I didn't know it was coming. And at the same time, it's the one thing that I had been praying for, for a long time. I wanted to do this on my own. I wanted to, to make it. And I think that was my first mistake of wanting to do it on my own. <laughs> and when you challenge the universe with your goal and your dream, the yeah. universe will challenge you back. That's interesting. <laughs> you will feel all sorts of emotions, fears, uh, your stress levels go up. I mean, for eight, eight months after I got laid off, my stress levels, well, give me a little longer, were just through the roof. Yeah, I believe that. And because all of a sudden, I had a, a daughter going into college, and then I ended up having two on a mission at the same time. And, and suddenly, you're not employed. Your safety net. My safety net was... Is gone. But this is where it gets amazing. Yeah. And this is where I get a realization that, um, one, my priorities were completely screwed up. Yeah. Uh, I was in a bishopric at the time. Mm. And uh, see, even people that serve in positions can, can deal with struggles. <laughs> and I also, you know, I'm a fantasy artist. Right. So that has its own stigma. <laughs> uh, not as much, but I, I, I love when people go, so what do you do? I draw comics and I, I draw <laughs> fantasy now. I, I play Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I don't much anymore, but I draw a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, I was sitting there and, and 
you know, I, I called Janelle and I said, I just got laid off. And the first thing she said, congratulations, this is what you wanted to do, wasn't it? <laughs> now, that's a supportive wife. No, I've got to say. Uh, oh, I'm lucky. I definitely. You're uh, very blessed. Janelle is amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, to, to have that as a response rather than, oh, no, what are we going to do? Yeah, way up my, my pay grade, definitely. Yes, definitely. And uh, I, I went to my dad and uh, I got a blessing that night. Awesome. Because uh, I needed it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're never, honestly, you're never too young or too old to ask for a blessing from your own father. No. If, he's, if he can do it. I still get him. And uh, I was there and, and I was sitting down after, you know, and, and my dad, um, you know, he's a hardworking guy. He's a big, burly guy and just yeah. a lot of muscle and, and uh, he, he still can hit pretty hard. <laughs> and, uh, and, I knew that his fear of me being an artist, there was always that fear of would I be able to support a family. Of course. But that night, he was more supportive of me than I had ever remembered him being. What a blessing. And I went home, and, you know, it was hard to sleep. I was I, I was going through, um, and the talk by Elder um, Holland had just happened in april <laughs> and it was the talk about depression oh yeah and how he had that massive psychic collision yeah and i felt the i they talk about certain talks reaching out to me that reached right. out to me because you were going through that at that time i was having that same collision wow of financial insecurity right and what was going to happen and uh I can remember I, I, I came home and uh, I walked into the back room and, and kind of sat on the floor and opened up my scriptures and I was reading them and I, I read, um, well, I get emotional, I'm sorry, but uh, no, I, I, I read Mosiah and in chapter two, we always look at verse 17. Mm. Whenever you're in the service of your fellow man, you're only mm. in the service of your sure. God. If you continue reading to 26, you will learn what successful living is mm. truly like. And the Lord says very clearly through King Benjamin, he says that how we're unprofitable servants, how everything is given to us, but if we just obey his commandments, he will bless us right away. Yeah. Not 10 months from now, not... And, and the whole message being you can't get ahead of the Lord. Like you, no. you can't. The minute you it is right there. serve, it's instantaneous. That he'll bless you. Yeah, you're in debt to the Lord no matter what. You can't get in front of it. You are going to get blessed. But that it's that it was an instant. It was what I needed to hear at that moment. And then, as clear as day, I heard the following phrase in my mind. Hmm. If you serve me, I will give you this. <laughs> Now I didn't fully know what that meant yeah, what until is this? I until I went so the next day, you know, what do you do with your wife when you get laid off? You go to the temple. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. No, so that's we went just smart. We went and we both had questions and we both asked the same question. And three more times in the temple, I heard the same phrase. If if you if if you serve me, I'll give you this. And yeah. I was I was thinking, well, I, and that's when I learned to change the question that I was asking. Mm. Instead of going, Lord, give me work, give me a job, it was, Lord, if you want me to be an artist, 
If this is what you want me, because it's how I will be able to reach the most people, yeah. then I need your help. Wow. And so when I, when I talk to kids or when I tell people, I, I, you got to change the question. Instead of gimme, 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 it's where can I do the most good? Mm. What career path will allow me to do the most good for you? And he'll guide you to that career path. Beautiful. And the following day, I get a phone call from one of my closest friends now. Mm. He, we weren't close then. Uh, he's an Episc- he was an Episcopalian uh, deacon. Wow. And he calls me up and he said, I had a dream that I'm to write a book and you're to illustrate it. No way. So. Oh, my gosh. So this is this kind of beat-up copy, but this was the first book that I got, the first job I got right after I got laid off. So I'm looking at a book called The Heart of Discipleship. And it's by uh, Deacon Cameron, uh, I mean, not Cameron, Carmen, Carmen Viola. Carmen Viola, illustrated by Travis Hansen. And there's a picture of Christ that you have illustrated, Christ sitting with children. In your, by the way, your style is so inimitable that I didn't I wouldn't have to see your name on this to know this was you. You have such you capture things in such a way. It's just amazing. So tell us about this book. Well, this book is is we sat down and and he wrote um a whole thing all about um each section talks about a different aspect in the Bible. Wow. And it's based on a series of questions and points. So it's not a, let me tell you what I believe. It's you find it on your own what you believe. This is beautiful. This is for children. It's for primarily. anybody. But I mean, it's, it's well written for children. I mean, it's oh, yeah. It's, it's Bible stories, but it's, it's not above anybody for sure. Exactly. And um, a, a very good man by the name of Tom Jenny, who's a Catholic was involved in this as well. And <laughs> I, I, I hear that there was a couple other people that were involved. And the one thing about Carmen, Carmen um, has spent a lot of time in Jerusalem. Oh, wow. And he goes every year. And he came back and he said, let me teach you about how color is interpreted in the old paintings. How incredible. And so for the next year, we worked together on this book. And you can just tell... It's not done traditionally colored. It's done in a way that matches. Each color has a different symbol. There's a reason why that color is in the, in the piece. And we would go through each section, and we would talk about it. So you have all these different faiths talking about a story and coming up with a way to present it to anybody that was looking for an answer or a helpmate or whatever. And we decided that we would not put... We would show you where to find it in the scriptures, but we would not put the scripture itself. So you could go to your own Bible and read it the way you needed to interpret it. You realize that the premise of a Presbyterian, a Catholic, and a Latter-day Saint is like the beginning of a fantastic joke. (laughs) Oh, it's a great joke. And we've all met. And we've all, because he lives back east. In fact, uh, when he was ordained to be a priest, um, I was able to go out, and him, me, and Tom all met together. How beautiful. And, and such to, to talk, and his family's wonderful. And, you know, I look at how he lives his life. Yeah. 
and and he lives a more Christian life than most people I've ever met. He sure. would give you the shirt off his back if he could. Pure Christianity. And uh, well, it's that, a beautiful book, Travis. This is beautiful. When did this book come out? This came out in. Uh, let's see. What's the date on it? I gotta look. <laughs> I, this came out in. Uh, let's see. A few years back. Uh, 2015 was when we got yeah. it printed and when it was finished. Four years ago. And this is called The Heart of Discipleship. If people want uh-huh. to see the book, where, where would they go? They would go to theheartofdiscipleship.com. Theheartofdiscipleship.com. It's a beautiful book. And and he has plenty of copies. Yeah. So this led to what was next after this. Well, this was... So this was, this was literally just a few days after you after you were let go from your corporate job. This comes up from a dream. I mean, Travis, this is such an amazing story that an Episcopalian friend of yours has a dream that you should write a book about Christ two days after you're let go from your job. Like, after you've sat in the temple with the Lord saying, I will give it to you, and then he gives it to you. Yeah, and and it's not just this. It's also learning to... Um, like I said, I had to change my priorities when we were talking yeah. earlier. You know, beforehand, my priority was always work. Work was the number one priority. Mm. And that is such a dangerous place to have. And most people have work as their number. I've got to provide. I've got to feed. I've right. got to feed. I've got to bring in money. I've got to take care of everybody. And when that collapses or when that work part disappears, what happens to the spirit? Yeah. The spirit breaks. And during this time, my mentor actually happens to be my mom. Um, she would she sat there and she goes, "I want you to write down what are the seven most important things in your life, mm. and then I want you to put them in order, and let's take a look." And so I wrote them, and work was the number one thing. And she goes, "All right, well, where's God?" And you got to remember, I'm serving in a bishopric right now. <laughs> And I looked at he it. He didn't make the list. No, he was on the list. Oh, he just wasn't wasn't top number one. Because in my mind, at the moment, work was the number one priority. Yeah. Now, this is all going around around the same time. This happened right before I got laid off. And she goes, let's change this around. She goes, where does God need to be? And I said, well, God needs to be number one. Yeah. And she goes, well, what's number two? And I looked, and I was looking at this list, and I said, Janelle needs to be number two. Yeah. So I put Janelle, and then I put my family as number three. Now, I made sure that there was a separation between Janelle and family, because if you lump them all into one, yeah, your spouse begins to feel like she's not important. <laughs> and, and your spouse is far more... I mean, your children are important, don't get me wrong, but your spouse is one step up. Yeah, needs to have the, the special relationship, sure. Right. And then I put service, and service could be anything. It could be a calling. Yeah. It could be... Um, just that li- living off that first impression, it, it's whenever the Lord asks you to do something, if you're willing to put the faith in it to actually do it, um, then the blessings come. And most of the time, we don't listen to that first impression. We're really good at at sitting there going, <laughs> oh, let's change it here, or yeah. I don't... I'm, it's like the guy on the side of the road. Your first impression is naturally to stop and help. Your second impression is, I don't want to get mugged. Yeah. So you just keep adding excuses, and, right. and we didn't want to add excuses to that. But service was next. And then after service was my health. Mm. I wanted to make sure that my health was in the right spot. Right. And then finally, the very last was work. And when God and Janelle and family and everything else was, was in that order... I've always had work. 
Isn't that amazing? It's almost it's almost as if the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That should be a scripture, Trav. It should be. It should, should be. be. We should hunt that scripture. I'll write that. We'll do that in the book of yeah. Trav. <laughs> so, yeah, the book of Trav. I, th- I think that one's already been taken. Oh, but okay. I could be wrong on that one. <laughs> hey, wait, you'd know, because tell us your current calling. Well, my current calling, I'm a seminary teacher right now. Now, in, in for our Utah and Idaho and some parts of Arizona listeners, that is a calling, not a an occupation. No, it's not a job. Yeah, yeah, and, which which it is in in Utah, Idaho, parts of Arizona. And I have several dedicated young people that show up at five thirty mm. in the morning, so I have the early early class. Yeah, bless you. That is awesome. And uh, what a what a tremendous um, uh, blessing that is. Yeah, I, I if you're willing. So this comes back to that. What are you willing to give up to yeah. get your dream? Right. And and I've got friends that have sacrificed their family to get their dreams. Yeah. Or they've sacrificed everything, even the church. Mm-hmm. They wanted their dreams so bad that they gave up everything else you to get You and me church. both. We've seen it. And I don't want that. I, and, and I like, right. I got married to stay married, and my family comes first. But what am I willing to give up to get to my dream? Well, I decided I didn't want to be the guy that just watches the movies and reads the books. I wanted to be the guy that creates them. Yeah. That's a lot more exciting for me. So how did Kickstarter get started in all this? Because Kickstarter's been instrumental in your career, right? Well, so I did my first Kickstarter uh, back in 2009. Uh, when Bean had got nominated for an Eisner, yeah. I was printing it myself and publishing it myself. I already know how to do it. I have my own printers. And uh, I went through and I, I, I ran a Kickstarter and we got funded. And it took about five, six weeks to get funded. And it was how much it, were you looking for in that? Only just seven get, grand. Yeah. I, I only want, when I do a Kickstarter, I only want what is necessary to print a book and do the shipping. Yeah. Um, it, Kickstarter's changed a little bit since then for me, but yeah. my basic need is that. And, and we raised, I think, $9,000 or something. I don't remember awesome. what it was. And that was exciting. And then I did my second one, and it was a little less. Now, were these all part of a series, or were these so different So this was books? the Bean. So these were all part of the series. So I did four four that were involved with Bean. And tell us who the Bean is. The Bean's a 12-year-old kid that works in an inn with a bunch of ogres, and they send him out for shrooms one day, and he gets kidnapped. Not the magic shrooms. They were just looking for something to fit in the soup. Yeah. And he ends up finding this troll with a broken that's, that's looking for this sword. And it turns out it's a broken sword that the kid has to fix, but he has no idea how to do it. So it's really the epic fantasy tale of a dishwasher. <laughs> a dishwasher becomes this great, amazing creature and right. goes, on a, goes on this journey. Right. Now, the problem with Bean is it's a black and white comic, and it has a very narrow audience. Okay. You know, one of the yeah. things is you got to learn who you're marketing to. Right. Um, I also learned that if you only have one stream of income, that's not good. So as an artist, you learn to create multiple streams of income. So yep. you have several different projects. So I get streams that come in from individual commissions, uh, like when people want me to draw their family on an adventure or whatever, I do those. Uh, for the game companies that I work for, for the independent companies that I work for, um, for my own work now, yeah. uh, for Life of the Party, uh, you know that gives me you know multiple streams. And then when one stream draws up, I you still have. I'm still yeah. alive. Right. Um, I did a book uh, right after it was my third Kickstarter, and this is where I realized that I needed to refocus where my art was going. It, I did a book called Adventures for a Lazy Afternoon, and it was basically my journey as an artist. So that's you on the cover. Um, yeah, yeah. I like to draw without shoes all the time. Yes. <laughs> 
That is so cool. Adventures for a Lazy Afternoon. And what it is was, um, it's out of print now, but it was basically if you wanted to follow a dream, what to do. And it had 65 illustrations in it of some of the different prints that I had done. Because I don't have, I have more than one audience. Yeah. And that book raised $45,000. $45,000 on Kickstarter. Yeah, but what most people don't understand, you're going to spend $30,000 in producing and shipping and mailing. Yeah. So it's not the gravy boat people think that it is. It's really a way to get you product to produce more. But the exposure this gives you and the following it gives you. We had we had 600 people back that. Wow, that's incredible. And and that was exciting. This is actually, you know, I love this book. It's it's one that's just a lot of my childlike illustrations that I like to do. Um, you you work with a lot of fantasy. It's a lot of dragons. One of my favorite things is you've got this theme of teddy bear adventurers. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that was my. That's the book that we did right after. It. It's called Tanner Jones and the Quest for the Monkey Stone. Yes. <laughs> and so Tanner Jones has these these bears, these teddy bears. They're that are just adventurers. Oh yeah, it's just awesome. So and these are high quality books. Like Trav, you do big work. Like it's it's embossed. It's it's raised. It's gorgeously bound. Well, if you're gonna do it, do it right. Yes. <laughs> um. And you figure out ways to make it work. This is kind of where it goes back to learning everything you can about the career that you choose. Make yeah. yourself as valuable as you can. Right. So when I left, I can produce a book on my own without having to worry about going through another publisher. I can do it's it amazing. myself. Uh, when I do games, I can do everything from the beginning art all the way to the end layout. Yeah. So how did Life of the Party come together? <laughs> Well, Life of the Party is my biggest accident. Really? Yeah, it's awesome. Tell, uh, us, tell us first of all what Life of the Party is. So, Life of the Party is basically a comic. It's a daily comic about a group of adventurers. It's their avatars. You never see the players. You only see the avatars. And it's it, one day, each day is a different comic. And it's just different scenarios that involve my love of fantasy and gaming yeah. and RPG That's and awesome. it, it, it's video and 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 tabletop. Uh, I mean, I've been playing since I was twelve, and wow. um, you know all this. It, it's it's just I enjoy this this gaming, and I was wondering why. You know, I post a piece of art, and and it's also learning how to use social media. Yeah, because yeah, the people don't understand how to use social media. They just yeah. post whatever, and right. they don't realize that you can't do that. Mm. If you're running your own business or trying to, especially an artist, yeah, um, you got to realize that your audience is on the right, the left, the front, the back, the in the middle. They're blue, green, orange, pink, whatever, um, and they all think that that you believe the way they do, <laughs> and that's that's fine. I actually don't believe like any of them. I believe like I do. Yeah, and. And yet, at the same time, if you come to my page or you come to my my area, it's a safe zone. You know, gotcha. if you're gay, show up. If you're blue, show up. If you're lost on the right, show up. If you're lost on the left, show up. I don't care who you are. I do a comic that's for every person. Beautiful. And I I look at life that way. And doing these conventions over the years. I meet people from all over the world, from every walk of life. I, I want to talk a little bit about, as they call it, the cons. You know, that's that's your world. Your world is 
is how many cons a year do you do? How many? Well, first of all, for our listeners who are not into the con world, which, by the way, I'm not, but I have a son who just D&D is everything to him. I mean, he just loves it. Um, you go to these conventions. So a con would be like a fantasy convention. Well, it's more like a Comic-Con. Yeah, it's more like Comic-Con. So, so, so people who don't know that... It's fantasy, people dress up, it's role playing. It's, it's superheroes, it's yeah. it's 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 where you can be it's pop culture. It's but on exactly. the fantasy side of pop well, culture. Well, it's actually pop culture all over the place. Oh, okay, cool. It's everything. It's inclusive. I do about seventeen a year all over the West Coast. Seventeen a year. Yeah. You do and, more than one a month. Um, sometimes. Like this year I'm gonna have three in a row, which I really don't like because mm. that puts me on the road a lot and I would rather be home. Yeah. Uh because when you're on the road you're not producing. Oh, right. That makes sense. So I would rather be home. Um, but the conventions, uh, you know, it's funny. The cheapest costumes are the Halloween costumes that you can only get once a year. <laughs> but if you're willing to go to a convention, you can get costumes that will blow your mind. You can see exactly. You yeah, know, I've seen some of the photos. They're, they're super professional. They're, they're amazing. And yeah. these are people that are like me. They go online and they figure out how to do it. Wow. And, uh, I mean, I do the one in Salt Lake. I do the Salt Lake show, not the spring show. I don't like the spring show. I like the fall show. So you go to these you go to these conventions. You set up a table. You set up a backdrop. Uh, you I bring in, all your books. I usually go in as a guest. Yeah. Um, I bring my books, my wares. I, I'm a traveling salesman, basically. You take a whole bunch of books and you sell them there. Uh-huh. And you give away free drawings oh, while yeah. you're there. Yeah, I do free sketches. Uh, which is amazing to me. We think in the last 15 years, I've done between thirty-five to 40,000 free sketches. Wow. And uh, I usually, what it is, is is someone comes up to my booth, and they'll go, I'll, I'll look at them, I go, well, you want me to draw? And they'll go, whatever. And I go, well, I have to charge you for that. If you're going to make me come up with the idea, then it's not free anymore. <laughs> you're paying for the idea, too. But when they come up for the idea, it's free. And... And I have had families come back year after year. I've watched their kids grow up. Mm. I've been to some of their kids' weddings. Wow. Um, and, and, I, and someone used to, I can remember a couple of the older artists, a couple of them got on my case for doing that. And they said, well, why are you doing this? You're, you're, you're giving away something that you should be charging for. And I said, well, you don't understand. One, I'm not established. Two, I have met some of the most incredible people from every walk of life. Wow. And I've also come to a realization of how the the packaging, you know, we all come in a different kind of package. <laughs> but we're all the same on the inside. We yeah. all have that same gift on the inside, that sure. same love, that same desire, the same emotions. And when you can see that, yeah. You can get past all the hypocrisy that you create for yourself. How beautiful. And that has been, I think, the best for my kids. Because I don't just go to the shows alone. My, it's a family affair. How fun. My, my kids have run my booth for me. Uh, Ian ran it for years. He would just, he run, he'd show up and people would ask him how he sets stuff up. And he would tell other people. And Christia helps. And Audrey and Josh help. And Janelle. And What an amazing bonding experience for you to teach your kids all these things. How they have to work with their dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, and the nice thing about it is, is behind the table... They got to meet all the other creators on a different level. Yeah, you sure. Know, when, when a fan walks up to a table, there's a table between you. And you have rabid fans. I mean, we're friends on Facebook, 
and I'll see, you know, that somebody tags you in something. Wow, I actually got to meet Travis Hansen. Oh, I don't know I about his, that. No. <laughs> you know, wait, 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 wait. Back up. You know this is true because I've seen it. But people will tag you and, oh, they had you do a sketch or they take a picture with you. Or, hey, one of my favorite creators, Travis Hansen, was here. Uh. And what a blessing that's got to be to be that appreciated. I mean, we talk about this coming full circle here, Travis. You know, here's a kid who was like full of himself believing I'm going to be great, whatever, goes through all these trials. And now you're at this humbled point where you're recognizing putting everything in order and everything you wanted when you were a kid is coming to you. Yeah, but it's also learning that uh, it's not about me. Yeah. The success or whatever that comes has nothing to do with me. Mm. All I am is is an instrument. I'm two hands who was blessed with a, a very, I don't know, deep but yet very out there mind. Yeah, you have a very creative, you always have, you've always had a very creative mind. Uh, I mean, it's one of the blessings of, of being your friend is getting to watch your creation and to dream pretty darn big. It's just awesome. If people want to get to know your art, if people are interested now in seeing your books and seeing your website, seeing everything, what's the best place for them to go? Uh, they can always go to Beanleaf Press, B-E-A-N-L-E-A-F-P-R-E-S-S.com. Beanleafpress.com. And I want to make sure that our listeners hear this because one of the coolest gifts you could possibly get, tell us about the family Sketches uh, well, that you do, the family pictures that you do. I don't know. I do a lot of commissions for people, and yeah. people will put together, like each year I do Christmas cards, and yeah. they fill up really quick on me. Uh, but I draw your family in whatever adventure you want to be in. I have different sizes, and you can choose what you want. But the goal is is to create something, not just a... I don't do pop culture. Um, I, 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 I like creating my own content and, and yeah. that's really important we can get to that in one second but when i do a family piece I, I i set it up in a way where one i don't want any inside jokes i want you to tell me the best things about you yeah and then we build that and um and then you basically draw the family in their fantasy Whatever you draw them as pirates, or you draw them whatever as they whatever they want aliens, you know whatever, and fighting uh, dragons, whatever it is, and uh, well, I, in fact, I just got one right over the phone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and they take time to do, but we go through it. It's a process. We go through the pencils first, and then we go through the inks, and then the colors, and then they get a digital print of it, or they, you know, it, it could be whatever they want, but. Um, the goal was was to to create something that's fantastic and and, yeah. and, and something that you're going to want to keep. When I do my art, you know, I like doing books. Books are fun, but books get put on shelves. Pop art gets put in drawers. I wanted to create art that you'd put on your wall. Yeah, that's just awesome. So I've all, seen some of them. You do amazing work. I'm serious, Travis. It is just uh, awesome. Um, there's I, much better artists than I. I. I'll be honest with you on that. I'm just I draw what I feel. Well, it, but it's obvious by your following that uh, your art truly strikes a chord. We're we're getting there. We're just about at time. Mm-hmm. I want to encourage our listeners to go to Beanleaf Press, check it out, consider having. I mean, what an amazing Christmas gift this is, or Valentine's or birthday or whatever to get a a. a a family picture drawn. I, I can only imagine the surprise. 
on the faces as it's given out. Here's your family in this fantasy setting, fighting dragons <laughs> or in space or on a pirate ship or wherever it is. It's just awesome. Uh, I love, I love your story, Travis. I mean, we've been friends for a long time, but I love your story. I love watching you take that leap of faith at the right time, having things in perspective. I just think it's beautiful. And I'm so excited to watch what the next 10 years brings, uh, including recently, by the way, Grandpa Travis. <laughs> you are now a grandfather, which is amazing because we're about the same age. Well, so Grandpa Trav, that's who I am. <laughs> Grandpa Trav it is. So all the blessings that are coming to you, it's just incredible to see. We're going to wrap up today, uh, unless there's anything else you want to promote or push. I would just, I would just say that, um, you know, if you're willing to allow the Lord to, to guide you, yeah, He'll do it. Mm. But you got to listen to that first impression. You got to be willing to to take the step, and taking that step is hard. And I, I wish I had learned that when I was 23 or 21 or 22. That wasn't the time for it, right? I mean, you needed to go through what you needed to go through to be ready for that. I think I did, but I wish I had humbled myself a little bit more. Mm. I wish I had listened to the promptings a little bit more back then. And sometimes we have to be willing to listen to the, it's not your time. That is true. It's, you know, sometimes that answer is really, I need you to do this and not take a big leap right now. But But the neat thing is, 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 you know, I think sometimes as Latter-day Saints, members of the church, even Christians are afraid to ask for temporal yeah. blessings. And yet the Lord has specifically said, test me. I will give you gifts. Yeah. I will take care of you. And if even if you look at the Book of Mormon, the main theme of the Book of Mormon is obedience equals prosperity. Yes. And I think, but as long as you used it right, I mean, as long as you don't take that next step in well, the cycle, no, no, well, yeah, you don't take pride. Right. No, you're right. But, That's, but the, it's absolutely there. The prosperity is given for a reason. But the next step, and this is what most people don't realize, they always stop at prosperity. They forget that you're to give back the increase. You yes. are to return back. And the biggest testimony I have is not of tithing. Mm. Tithing is the easy law. Yeah. Tithing is 10%. The true test of faith is be willing to give generously in your fast and more often than not. Mm. And if you're willing to do that and give back to those that are in need, yeah. he will always replenish the well. He yeah. will always give you more. And then the truth of that scripture about your granaries in Malachi being overflow. Right. become reality because you are in turn using it for somebody else and not for yourself. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Well, we've already kind of hit on it, but I'm still going to ask it. The question I've asked only because I've ever asked every guest that we've ever had on the show, and that is, Travis, what does being a member of the church mean to you? You know, um, I think what it what it means to me is... One, it gives me hope as a disciple or follower of Christ. Mm. Two, it means that there is a plan for me. You know, so it's all about me at the moment, mm. when before it was about everybody else. Yeah, but this and, is about you being a member and, of the church. And I need this. Yeah. You know, I need I need that, that peace. I need that peace of mind. I don't think 
you know, I, being a member of the church has really changed my relationship with my Heavenly Father, and, and it's made it a lot more personal. And I can't push anybody to be a member of the church. I can't push anybody to be anything else. I can encourage, if you want to follow the path that I choose to walk, great, follow. Yeah. We'll just walk together. But if you choose not to walk that path, I'll still hold your hand and walk the path that you want to walk together with you. Yeah. And and support you. And I think that being a member, I, I love the talks in the last couple of conferences, how important it is that everyone is included at the party and love how it. important it is that we are literally a family, regardless of where we came from. Even if you believe in, in the, the theory of evolution, which has truth to it, even if you believe it as that part, we still are family. Yeah. Either way, we're family. Right. Whether it's by grand design or whether it's by evolution, we're still family. And and to me, being family allows me to keep walking forward because I know that there are people within the church and without that are willing to lift me up and then allow me to lift them up. The website is beanleafpress.com. I highly recommend you go check out the brilliant work. You are an incredible artist, a dreamer, a storyteller, a father, a husband, and now a grandfather, and most importantly to me, a friend. And I'm grateful, grateful to be your friend and uh, just love all the talent and can't wait to see what the next 10 years brings. Travis Hansen, thank you for sharing your Latter-day Life with us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. My special thanks to Travis Hansen for allowing me to come into his home and to feel the spirit there and to sit down with him and to see uh, his wonderful wife, Janelle, and their hospitality in, in welcoming me was just awesome. Travis is so talented, and I highly recommend check out Bean Leaf Breast, uh, order his books, and support him because he is just a great artist. Uh, this week in my Latter-day Life, I got an invitation to an event, but I have to go back a little bit uh, to when I was a Sunday school teacher Boy, this is going back, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. I had a really great class of youth, just fantastic young men and young women. And there was one member of my class, he was just so bright. And he, in my eyes, understood the gospel in a way that uh, was just beyond uh, the way a lot of other kids, the way I understand the gospel. He had great questions and was a tremendous young man. And as he and I stayed in touch, as he continued to grow, uh, he started to hit some struggles and was trying to figure out some things in life and unfortunately uh, made a few bad decisions and started to get in with a rough crowd. Uh, I started to see a lot of tattoos show up, including one's going up his neck and some crazy hairstyles as uh, he would shave shave parts of his head and he had a mohawk for a while and a lot of leather and chains. And it was all exterior because every time I'd see him and I'd talk to him and he'd give me a big hug and when we'd talk, he was the same young man, but he was trying to just kind of figure out his life and who he was. And that was just the outside of him. I remember several years back, uh, I hadn't seen him for a little while. He had moved out of his parents' home, out of our ward, and I bumped into him at a hardware store. And he had his huge mohawk up in the air and, and leather and chains all over and, 
and the tattoos, and and yet, to me, he was just the, the same man. But as he and I stood talking and, and uh, just catching up on life, I was so happy. As he walked away, uh, a man walked by, an average-looking guy, and I heard him say to his wife, I'll bet his mom is really proud. And he said sarcastically, like, oh, yeah, I bet his mom's really proud. And I couldn't help myself, but I spun and took the man by the shoulder. And let's just say I was animated a little bit and excited uh, to make sure he knew very clearly that his mom was very proud of him. And she had every reason to be because he was an amazing guy. And I was so upset that this guy had judged my friend inappropriately. And the man apologized and said, I'm sorry, it was just the outside look. And I said, look, I know his parents. His parents are awesome. He's awesome. Do not judge my friend. And I walked off. As I watched this young man, as he continued to struggle and progress, I started to notice some changes when I would see him, a softening. As he'd tell me he had returned to church. As he'd tell me he had learned some difficult lessons in his life. And pretty soon he was... uh, the, the mohawks and the spiky hair and everything else was gone. And the way that he dressed started to tone down. And again, none of that really matters. That's the external stuff. But his heart had softened as he had returned back to the church. I would catch up with his mom as well as with him whenever I could. And I found out that he had become a temple worker. And the next time I saw him, I started to see that the, the tattoos were going away as he was getting them removed. And he would talk about the gospel with such excitement. And I just loved watching what the Lord had done with this young man's heart. Earlier this week, there was a knock at the door. And when I opened the door, I was just thrilled to see this man standing there with a big smile on his face and an envelope in his hand as he walked into my front room and gave me a big hug and invited me to his ceiling in the temple to a beautiful, beautiful young woman. I had to fight back the tears. The Lord knows that inside each and every one of us that the worth of souls is so great, and oh, how I saw it in this awesome young man. I am so excited to go to his wedding and to see the next steps in his life. And he's a wonderful reminder for me not to, char- not to judge a book by the cover, for every single one of us. For the Lord looks upon the heart, and he knows that the worth of souls is great. And what a blessing it was to see it all come full circle and to see the atonement at work in our lives. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thanks again, friends, for tuning in. I so appreciate it. If you get a chance, the thing that helps us out more than anything is if you could please, please go to your app or wherever you listen to this, and if there's an opportunity to leave us a review, if you could leave us a five-star review, it really helps us show up when people are looking for uh, anything uplifting. It helps our podcast show up. We've had great reviews, and I really appreciate it. And if you know someone that might enjoy the show, or if you could share it on your social media, We have just continued to grow, and it's been such a blessing, but we want to reach as many people as we can with these incredible guests. So until next week, when we have another fantastic show lined up for you, please remember, as always, there is a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening.